prosecuting the war on terror to its conclusion. Quote, now the former dictator of Iraq will face the justice that he denied to millions, President Bush told America. For the vast majority of Iraqi citizens, the torture chambers and the secret police are gone forever. Quote, we've come to this moment through patience and resolve and focused action. Our security is preserved by our perseverance. And he capped his remarks with this renewed pledge. The USA will not relent until the war is won. Justice, patience, resolve, and focused action. The principles that drove this evil actor from the world stage. As America casts its eye to the future, let us not forget them. We'll need them again. Three years ago, evil surfaced in the Western world in a way it had not in six decades since the day of infamy at Pearl Harbor. Americans were forced to confront pure human wickedness in a way we had not in generations. And in that moment, we rose as one nation to the challenge, led fortunately by a leader who had the clarity of vision to recognize that evil for what it was and to rally America and the world against it. Even many of the most committed liberals seem to have their compasses reoriented in the face of that unmistakable act of war and crime against humanity. But nearly three years have passed. And in the intervening time, our wounds have healed, our senses and memories dulled, the nation rallied behind its leader long enough to expel the state sponsors of evil in Afghanistan, yet by the time the confrontation with Iraq presented itself, our courage and moral certainty seemed to fade in the face of partisan bickering and posturing. We toppled a murderous dictator in Iraq, and yet now the political left and the Democratic Party are trying to use the demanding aftermath of the war to exploit our national cause for their own political advantage. How can we allow ourselves to forget so soon? I decided to make this recording because I believe it is our responsibility to recognize and confront evil in the world, and because I'm convinced that if we fail in that mission, it will lead us to a disaster. Evil exists, it is real, and it means to harm us. I believe this strongly, and not just because of my Catholic faith, although that's the root of it. When you work in the news business, you deal with the ugly side of life. Every day across your desk comes story after story about man's inhumanity to man, from mass murderers to child molesters to mothers who drown their children to fathers who murder their pregnant wives. These stories push the limits of our ability to imagine man's inhumanity toward man, and yet they are horrifically true. Still, isolated events like these pale besides the pure evil of September 11th. How could anyone witness the horrors of that day, or the mass graves discovered in Iraq after the fall of Saddam Hussein, and dismiss the idea of evil? And yet many people do, most of them political liberals. It's difficult for liberals to see moral questions clearly, because most of them are moral relativists. They reject absolute standards of right and wrong. In their worldview, man is perfectible. Human nature is on a linear path towards enlightenment. The concept of sin is primitively biblical. In their view, society's unfairness compels people to break the law. To them, people like Saddam and Osama bin Laden are not morally depraved murderers, but men driven to their bad acts by the injustices of Western society. The emphasis is always on giving bad actors, domestic and foreign, the benefit of the doubt, never on personal accountability. The trouble with tolerating evil, of course, is that while we're averting our eyes, the evil itself only grows and festers around the world. This has been true throughout history. 
Neville Chamberlain assured a wary England that an appeasement pact with Adolf Hitler would lead to, quote-unquote, peace in our time. Cold War liberal elitists ignored or downplayed the atrocities of communism from the gulag of Uncle Joe Stalin to the killing fields of Cambodia. Bill Clinton stood idly by while Islamic terrorists attacked American targets throughout the 1990s in a long prelude that should have alerted us to the burgeoning war on America. The primary evil we face today is terrorism, but we will never triumph over terrorists until we realize that groups like Al-Qaeda are not working alone. Without the deep pockets of terrorist-friendly dictatorships like Saddam Hussein's Iraq to support them, the loose networks of Islamic terrorism would pose only a fraction of the danger to civilization that they currently do. And those dictatorships, we must realize, are the same brutal regimes that have oppressed their own people for generations. As President Bush has declared, we can no longer wait around for the terrorists to attack us. We must take the war to them, rooting them out of their swamps and destroying their despotic regimes that furnish their lifeblood. One challenge of a long and drawn-out war is that public commitment to that effort can flag, especially in an unpredictable situation like the war on terror, where a few weeks of dramatic battle can be followed by months of difficult activity behind the scenes. And if the public should lose its resolve to win, if its attention should wander from the evil that confronts us and the necessity of defeating it, victory will only stray further from our reach. Under such circumstances, some of the most dangerous attacks our nation faces can come from those on the home front. And when it comes to confronting evil, the sad fact is that there are essentially two types of people. Those who are willing to fight it and those who try to excuse it or worse, deny it even exists. Throughout history, the appeasers have refused to recognize evil, let alone confront it. They make excuses for it, ignore and coddle it. And by refusing to fight, they nourish and encourage it. Every great champion of freedom in the modern era has had to overcome a prominent voice of appeasement. For Winston Churchill, there was Chamberlain. For Ronald Reagan, there was Jimmy Carter. Today, George W. Bush faces the modern Democratic Party. Indeed, the greatest threat to our resolve today in the war on terror is political liberalism and selfish opportunism of the Democrats. Terrorism, despotism, and liberalism, these are the forces America must be concerned about in the war on terror today. Ever since September 11th, the voices of the left have been treating the terrorists as though they were merely another player in the same old political game. They have tried to play both ends against the middle, aligning themselves with the war effort when it suited their political needs, but shifting their allegiances as soon as an election loomed on the horizon. But the terrorists are no mere political sideshow. Though it manifests itself differently, the threat they represent is every bit as grave as that we experienced during World War II or the Cold War. There is no appeasing this enemy. They will stop at nothing in their quest to destroy the United States of America, and they will waste every human life they can in the process. We face the possibility of our civilization being destroyed as surely as we did during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Indeed, with recent advances in technology and the ongoing instability in the Middle East and around the world, that danger may be worse than ever. We rose to the challenge then. We cannot afford to fall short now. Despite the irrefutable evil of terrorism, there are those who still have doubts about whether absolute evil truly exists. 
They look at the world through the warped perspective of moral relativism and persist in believing that every bad act can be blamed on social or psychological circumstances, on economic or cultural differences. Now, I believe that's just what has happened to the leaders of the modern Democratic Party. Unlike President Bush, who has personified moral clarity and vision in the war on terror, America's liberal elite sneers at the quote-unquote simplistic notion that good and evil are legitimate concepts in our society. They mock the president for seeing the world in such starkly black-and-white terms and even impugn his Christian faith for inspiring the thought. They've even convinced themselves that President Bush's moral compass is a dangerous instrument as threatening, some have hinted, as Islamic fundamentalism itself. But this kind of moral relativism is disturbing to me as an American. It discounts the very idea of accountability, devalues our right to fight for our principles, and without an unwavering grasp of what is right and what is wrong, how can we ever expect to stand in judgment of our terrorist enemies? By blurring the lines between good and evil, liberals have rendered our society more vulnerable to evil's influence. With secular liberals largely in charge of our cultural institutions, not to mention their influence on the courts and even our churches, America is increasingly ill-equipped to recognize, much less respond to, the evil that threatens the nation. Today's moral relativism is clearly out of step with the traditions of our nation, as the framers' own words reveal. The founders of our country recognized the presence of evil in the world and in human nature and the necessity to take it into account when creating a government. Quote, if men were angels, James Madison wrote, no government would be necessary. If angels were to govern men, neither external nor internal controls on government would be necessary. In framing a government which is to be administered by men over men, the great difficulty lies in this. You must first enable the government to control the governed and in the next place oblige it to control.